Blog Talk Radio. numbers. This morning I, I looked at the numbers just for this show 
and we are very short of 128,000 listeners just on this show. Now, just let that soak in for a minute. All of y'all, the listeners, my guests who keep coming back, who I keep dragging back by the head of their hair saying, you will appear, and they're going, okay, we will. No, they come back because they love this show because we have so much fun. But all of y'all, it's your show. Y'all are the ones that make this show great. I just am the facilitator. I just run the board. I just do the interviews. I just bring guests in. Y'all are the ones that make it great. I'm so humbled and so grateful and so appreciative. And Australia, God love you, and I mean that from the bottom of my heart. Y'all are our biggest listeners on this show. Y'all outrank the good old USA. Now, I don't know how that's happened, don't care how that's happened. I am so grateful for all of you in Australia that listen to this show and share it. Y'all are 98% of my listening base, so thank you so, so much. And it has paid off for, for one of my sponsors for this show. And she she said, Ivana, I, I don't believe it. She's been on the show, but she also runs an ad on my show, and she's been running this ad now for several months. Her name is Diane Moat, and she has a series of books, and they're called the Sam Holden series. The first one in the series is called Doggone. The second one in the series is called Dogfight. And it goes, wherever a helpless animal whimpers in the dark and wherever the system fails to protect an animal, she'll be there, and she's not giving up anytime soon, so you've been warned. When Sam Holden receives a tip about a brutal dog fighting ring, she embarks on one of her most dangerous acts of vigilantism yet. The monster known as the puppeteer circles Sam's world while she unknowingly circles his. And while they chase each other, well, that makes Sam put those she loves most in harm's way in order to break up this ring. With time running out and animals in need, the dangerous life Sam's created begins to eclipse any other life she could ever lead. That's Diane Mode on Amazon Kindle, Dog Gone and Dog Fight. And like I said, she has been on the show as a guest and will return in some future date. Now, there's another gentleman that I've had on the show. His name is John Isaac Jones, and this man is one funny man. And he grew up in rural Alabama. I have been to rural Alabama many, many times. And if you think I'm kidding when I tell you that in some areas of rural Alabama they still don't have indoor plumbing, I'm serious as a heart attack. Been there, seen it, done it. But he grew up in rural Alabama, and he has a selection of short stories on Kindle called Alabama Stories, and they're told through the eyes of a 12-year-old boy. I have read this book, and it is absolutely fascinating. Not only do you get the short stories through the eyes of a 12-year-old boy, but you get to feel the ambiance and the history of Alabama as it was then and in most places as it still is. It's fun and an and entertaining read. Go and get it after the show because we've got an, a great show tonight. Another author that I've had on my show before, her name is J. Traveler Pelton. The woman is amazing. She has a trilogy of books called the Oberlin Trilogy. The first in this trilogy, trilogy, I can't talk tonight, ladies and gentlemen, is called The Infant Conspiracy. And it goes something like this. In 2018, the Oberlins are a shadow family. The parents, Noel and Violet, along with their children, are very close-knit in more ways than one. They all work in the family firm. Now, the children are supposed to take over the firm after two of the brothers 
return from their hitch with Uncle Sam so the parents can retire and, I guess, go to Maui. I don't know. But things kind of go south real fast when a savage virus is turned loose on an unsuspecting public. Join the Oberlands as they set out to make the world a safer place. It's called The Infant Conspiracy by J. Traveler Pelton, the first in the Oberlin trilogy. I cannot talk tonight, ladies and gentlemen. I'm telling you. Now, there's two ways you can get on the show. You can get on the show as a sponsor, or you can come on the show as a guest. Either way, you contact me at offthechainradio at yahoo.com, and I'll tell you how to do it. Now, if you want to be a sponsor... I'm not going to charge you an arm and a leg. I'm not even going to charge you a fingernail. For $10 for 30 days, no matter how many shows I have in those 30 days, I will run your ad. If for some reason, as most of you know, my husband is very ill, if I have to reschedule a show because of him, the ad follows the show. So you're going to get 30 days of, of ad work regardless. If you want to run an ad for another 30 days, you want to change it up, let me know. I'll send you a new bill. You send me a new ad, and we keep moving forward. So... Why not, ladies and gentlemen, if you have a cause, if you're an author, if you're an artist, if you are a politician, if you have a passion, or if you just want to talk to me for an hour, let me know, because we are booking shows into January. Yes, sir, ladies and gentlemen, we are already in 2019, if you can believe that. The shows from now until the end of the year are simply amazing. I can't wait. So without further ado, our guest tonight is the first time on the show for her. I told her the hour will go by so fast when I say, you're not going to believe this, but our hour's almost up. She's going to go, really? It did go by fast. Trust me, it happens every time. But her name is Catherine McIntyre. And her mantra is strong women, strong words. She is an author. She's an indie author. And she is a feisty Irish chick with a big attitude despite her short stature. And see, I already love this woman. Because I'm 4'11", I have a Celtic carriages, and I understand strong women, strong words, because y'all know me. She writes stories featuring snarky women, ragtag crews, and men with bad attitudes. Hmm, sounds like some of the people I've known in my lifetime. High chance for a passionate speech thrown into the mix. As an internal geek and a tomboy who's always stepped to her own beat, she's made her mission to write stories that represent the broad, there we go, the broad spectrum of people out there from different cultures and races to all varieties of men and women. She is easily distracted by cats and sugar. See why I love her? She is a mini-me here. Perfect. Welcome, Cat, to the show. I am so glad you are with me tonight. Thank you. I'm so excited to be here. Oh, and and I like I told you before, we have so much fun on this show. It's not even funny. And see, I I get to where I can't articulate, and we just laugh and live. <laughs> so I want to know about my lady, Catherine McIntyre. I want to know, as a child, as a tomboy, which I can relate to. My mother used yeah. to put me in frills and lace, and I would immediately go outside and play in the mud. <laughs> familiar story yeah <laughs> as a wee child was it always <laughs> your dream to write or was this something that you evolved into as you were taking a journey on another path it was um I honestly I remember being in second grade and telling the teacher I wanted to be a writer when I grew up 
I loved reading. I lived at the library. So for me, it was like, you know, that seemed like the coolest profession ever. How did your second grade teacher take it? Did she look at it like, you've got two kids? <laughs> yeah, right. I okay. think at that point, like, you, know, you tell them you want to be an astronaut. They're like, oh, yeah, go for it. You know what I mean? <laughs> but if you tell them you want to be a writer, they go, okay, come see me in 20 years and tell me how it worked out for you. <laughs> <laughs> oh. So on your journey to to being yeah. a writer, I know you probably had to take detours, did you not? Absolutely. What kind of detours did you take? Um, oh, my gosh. I mean, like, I've been writing for as long as I can remember, and I've been working towards it. But I actually, my day job is uh, doing massage therapy, which I adore. But it's totally a different path than I thought, <laughs> than I thought I'd be going down. And there's so much fodder for books in that profession. <laughs> there really is, because you're talking like every session, you know, I've worked on, at this point, I've been doing it for eight years. I've worked on thousands of people, you know, and you're working one-on-one with them. And everyone has, I mean, just like every body, every single like person's body is unique. They all tell their own stories. And it's such good writing fodder. <laughs> and, and would it be fair to say that, the the physical bodies that that it would would it be fair to say that the physical bodies that you work on re, mm-hmm. replenish with scars because bodies have scars it's it's part of life absolutely they all tell yeah. their own story they and they all tell their own story as well they do it's really really cool I mean you know a lot of there are you know people have similar issues and stuff like that but every I I will remember you know certain people maybe like based off of um, a certain tattoo or a birthmark or a scar they have that like I remembered you know because a lot of times they're face down on the table when I'm working on them so sometimes facial recognition's a little spotty but I will remember like you know working on their body Really, really well. <laughs> <laughs> and, and do you find that when they're, and that is a vulnerable position to be in, and when they're in, that, when they're in that vulnerable position, they're, because mm-hmm. number one, they're trusting someone else to have their back. You're laying face down on a table. More times than not, Definitely. you're semi-naked. And you're yeah. depending on someone else to watch your back. Whether mm-hmm. the, the threat is perceived or real, and you have to really trust that person in order oh, to definitely. allow them to, to do something with you. Yeah, and I mean, I've even noticed, um, you know, a lot of times with someone, if it's their first time getting a massage, um, you know, they might be a little more tense starting up. And a lot of times I'll just talk to them to get them to calm down and realize it's a safe space. It's okay. You know, because <laughs> initially it can be a shocking thing to, you know, try. And then once they realize, oh, my God, this feels amazing, then it's all fine. <laughs> <laughs> but it's like it's, it's it's that fear of being exposed and of, oh, of not being in control because you're trusting someone else that you don't know from Adam's house cat to mm-hmm. watch your back not to physically or emotionally or mentally hurt you and yeah. if they do 
you can't do anything about it because you're literally pinned to a table. I know. It's a, and that's why, I mean, like, the states have been changing the legislature for massage. Um, I mean, to watch everyone else's backs, too. But, uh, you know, for example, I live in Pennsylvania, and it used to be uh, with you could practice massage with a certification, but now you need a government license and stuff like that. And you really go through so many rigorous rounds of background checks, and it's really it's a good thing. Um, but on top of that, too, we're um, trained to deal with, because, I mean, you might get someone on the table who, I know you write true crime. I mean, people have been through a lot of, sometimes harrowing experiences, you know, uh-huh. and um, we are trained in our classes actually to, on how to handle someone with like PTSD or someone who was an assault, but you know what I mean? Like if someone has a reaction on the table, just because bodies carry um, a lot of sense, you have muscle memory and when you've been yes. through a trauma, you carry that with you. And so sometimes like, even just like um you know, working on someone's leg, for example, if they had an injury there or trauma, they might like jerk suddenly or might have some reaction that they didn't know they would have, you know? Or trying to come up off and the so. table and wring your neck because you've <laughs> hurt something. Thank God, I hope not. But that makes sense for you to be yeah. always cognizant of what's going on. And like you said, the body itself, not only the mind, but the body itself has a lot of muscle memory. And the triggers sometimes are worse than the injury, the trauma, or the assault. Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, like, and I've heard of this happening in uh, stuff like yoga, too, but it also happens in massage. I mean, sometimes, you know... Again, if you've been through a trauma or things like that um, and you're getting worked on, your muscles are releasing. And so sometimes that releases the emotions, too, that you might Uh have pent up and not realize. So, like, people have started crying and stuff, and that's just something you let them cry it out. It's they're going through a thing, you know, and you just let them weather through it. Would it be safe to say, Kat, that uh, it can also be emotionally physically and mentally healing because like you said you've let you've allowed them to release that emotion they probably didn't even realize was still there they thought they'd work through it all and they were fine Mm -hmm. but there was that deep-seated dark place that nobody goes to that still needed to be healed absolutely and that's one of the things i really love about the job is like the healing element of it See, ladies and gentlemen, y'all just learned so many wonderful things on today. <laughs> call it off the day. I know. You thought you were talking <laughs> about writing. <laughs> <laughs> but, but and, and see, I have that same um, fear is not a strong enough word, aversion. Yeah. Because 18 years of abuse, I don't even like being touched. Oh, absolutely. So when somebody says, well, let me massage your shoulders, the first thing I want to do is belt them. (laughs) That makes sense. Yeah, because that's your gut reflex, you know? Yeah. It's, uh, again, your body holds all that. Yeah, don't don't be messing with me. Don't make me feel like you're trapping (laughs) me and I can't get loose because you're going to be ugly. (laughs) (laughs) That absolutely makes sense. Yes. Yeah, and and I know, and and that's been, 
years ago. I mean, we're talking 20, 30 years ago now, but still, it's it's there, mm-hmm. and it will. It's it's oh, part definitely. of my DNA, and it will never mm-hmm. go away. And and I yeah. still have triggers, but I, I recognize that. Just don't be touching me unless I want you to. And then absolutely, I'll hurt you. Exactly. <laughs> now, That's a now, huge thing, though. It's... Really? Another one of the things I love about this woman is, like me, she is height-deprived. Not health-deprived, <laughs> height-deprived. <laughs> we, we are of short stature, but we're really 10 feet tall and bulletproof. Would that be fair? Exactly. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> now, do you find, being height-deprived, that the yeah. world in general and some people in particular, underestimate you, underrate you, and think you're a non-threat. Absolutely, and then I show them wrong. (laughs) (laughs) It's so funny because I've had, yeah, I always get that look. Yeah, I I mean, again, from doing massage, people come in and see me, and they're like, you're not going to be able to give me a good massage, and I'm like, Let's let's just wait and see on that one. <laughs> I love I'm, being able to prove people wrong. It's great. <laughs> well, it's it's this the the look they give us is one of yeah right. You're no threat. I can hold my hand mm-hmm. on top of your head and let you air punch the air punch at me, and you can't touch me. Yeah, but you got to lay down and go to sleep sometime. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so, most of the scariest people I know are small people. <laughs> yes, we are. We are the scariest people. So, ladies and gentlemen, never underestimate anybody that's under five feet tall. Because exactly. even though we look like munchkins, <laughs> we're deadly. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> so, when did when did you dip your your writing quill? Mm-hmm. into the muddy waters of indie publishing. Let's see. My first book came out with a small press in 2012. So I guess it's about six years now. Um, oh, you're still an infant. And, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so, yeah, I just I started there. And, I mean, I had been writing forever, and then I started submitting it out, and I had I had had um, poetry and like short some short stories published, but not a full length novel. And then uh, my steampunk book, An Airship Named Desire, got picked up by Hazardous Press, which unfortunately is no longer a press, but that's fine. <laughs> it's, it's still out there. <laughs> Pull it back and, and then, put it back out there again. That's exactly what I did. <laughs> Yeah, because I've dealt with, I mean, like, that's the tricky part I've seen so far with, um, I love working with independent presses. I feel like um, you get a lot of, there's just some great communities, and there's wonderful people to meet, and I love, like, kind of the camaraderie with the other indie authors and stuff like that. Um, But uh, the only tricky part is I've been through maybe, like, four press closures at this point, and I'm like, man. Oh, my Lord. (laughs) I know, I'm starting to think I'm cursed. <laughs> no, it's not you, it's them. It's it just it just happens, you know. <laughs> what you need I've been to realizing do, it's, uh, it's, yeah. it's it's the nature of the beast. Mm-hmm. And sadly that happens 
because they they pop up like wild onions, and then they find out that it's it's rather demanding out there, and that it's not all rainbows and unicorns that you have to weather Absolutely. the storm. And and those that can't weather the storm go under. Mm-hmm. And and what it does is it hurts indie authors. Yeah. It's so really the next tough. time <laughs> the the next time your your indie press goes under, let me know. Aw. <laughs> now, why yeah. do you write steampunk? Oh, let's see. Um, I was always, um, you know, I've always been kind of geeky. I've gone to Renaissance fairs. I've gone to, you know, uh, different conventions and stuff like that. And so from going to a lot of that stuff, I started seeing steampunk infiltrate into things. And especially, like, the fashion. People dress, like, in these really cool Victorian dresses and, you know, with all these gizmos. I mean, I remember going to a convention and seeing someone who had taken a, um, oh, my gosh, like a phonograph player and put in um, his iPod. Like, he attached his, he hooked up his iPod to it, so the music was through that as he carried this backpack along that he had constructed. The, the thing was beautiful. It was so cool. But um, So then I started getting into steampunk and, like, checking out the conventions and stuff like that. And there's this whole just really interesting genre out there. The the first book that I read that involves steampunk, I'm thinking, okay, you're going to take the 1800s, which, ladies and gentlemen, steampunk is usually set in the 1800s because that was the beginning, correct me if I'm wrong, that was the beginning Mm -hmm. of the Industrial Age. That is when uh, things really started moving forward with machinery and in um versus manual labor and steam mm-hmm. powered trains planes and automobiles so <laughs> this whole genre of steampunk came up but they took it to another level <laughs> yeah people have really like gone crazy with it in a fun way there's uh, so few rules and i think that's why a lot of creatives tend to dabble in it because there's, um, it's so difficult to define that it gives so much room to play with, you know. That so is you see, an like... understatement. <laughs> and I've read some steampunk, and I'm going, where are these people getting this? Because you take, they've taken a very rigid era in history. I mean, one of the most mm-hmm. rigid eras in history that I can recall. And made it something that's absolutely insanely fun, off the wall, and anything goes. Oh, I know. It's so neat. And I think, like, a lot of the uh, original inspiration was, like, the, you know, uh, old authors like H.G. Wells and Jules Verne who had these imaginings. It's the Victorian imaginings of the future where they didn't really, like, you know, it still had all the trappings of the Victorian era, but with futuristic elements. And, I mean, I, I bucked it with uh, my one book, the, with my series, the Take, the Sky, Take to the Sky series. Um, I didn't even set mine in the Victorian era, but there are airships and, you know, all of the Victorian trappings, but in the future. 
why in the world did you do airships? I was reading some of your your oh, synopsis so on some of your books. I'm going, where did she get this? Airships airship fun. Yeah, so that was that's a big big thing in steampunk, and I've always loved pirate stories, and so I thought an airship would be such a fun pirate story to write because it's not, but it's different because it's not in the seas; it's in the sky. You know, so the whole series is just a lot of pirate swashbuckling adventures on the air. In the air, yeah, exactly. <laughs> the woman loves to live dangerously, ladies and gentlemen. This is, off, this is off the chain. I'm your host, Yvonne Mason, with my guest, author Catherine McIntyre, and y'all have heard me call her Cat because I think that is such a beautiful name, and I can just see her in my mind's eye. She's a cat, trust me. We will be right back. We are going to run a couple of more ads, and then I've got um, a couple of announcements that I want to um, break the news on, and then we will get right back with our guests. So if you will, bear with us. Do you have cougars on your porch swing? Are horses your new best friend? Do your nicest shoes get buried knee-deep in snow as your toes turn blue? Are you bothered by wolves at your woodpile? No, not that kind of wolf. Join wildlife artist and author Nancy Quinn and her family as they discover an exciting new life in Go West, Young Woman, a true Montana adventure. Available online and in bookstores. Or visit quinnwildlifeart.com for a personalized signed copy. Critics agree. It's a hoot. A struggling city, its beloved baseball team, an antique camera, and photos from that camera that bear an image from the pit of hell, an entity only a select few can see. Journalism professor Buddy Cullen is determined to track this demon down. But who is the hunter and who is the prey? And who will be the next target of mankind's mortal foe? Mortal Foe. Available at Amazon.com. Hi, this is Winona and Jade inviting you to join us and our wonderful guests on the And I Thought Women's Cave podcast on Blog Talk Radio to learn more about our books, the And I Thought series, and the Misfit Guides. They're available on Amazon.com and BarnesandNobles.com. Or just to see what your ladies are up to, you can find all of that out on www.andwethought.com. So peace and love from Winona and Jade and our books. (laughs) (laughs) You're so silly. You silly. Remember that? That's funny. (laughs) Remember to visit us at andwethought.com. The book Ruined Days is at Amazon. Is it true? Travis's dad ruined America's day on November 22, 1963. Travis is still feeling the repercussions. He sets out from Kansas to ruin some days himself. Why? He's really, really pissed. When the same people who killed JFK kills his aunt and a new girlfriend... They become the hunted. Amazon by Ganat Wise. Ruined day. 
the year 1888. The place? London's East End. Dead and mutilated bodies are popping up all over, from Stamford to Whitechapel. Jack the Ripper is leaving his mark, and the city's on edge. Yvonne Mason is back with a tale of murder and millinery. The Rhodes Hat Factory is booming while the body count rises. Why now? How are these hats connected? Has the Hatter gone mad? Mad Hatter from Yvonne Mason. Available now on Amazon.com. And we are back. This is Yvonne Mason with my guest, Catherine McIntyre, who is an author. This is Off the Chain. And that book, The Mad Hatter, is going into audio production, ladies and gentlemen, and it is being read by a native Londoner. And when you hear that book, you will just flip completely out. So watch for that. Also, y'all remember the gentleman I had on my show named Colin Martin. He is with the Satanic Player Society. They do um, short stories, horror stories online on their online show, the play, the Satanic Player Society. Well, they have taken my short story, Blood Alley, and they will be performing that. That is so exciting. Also, as a teaser, starting the first Wednesday in January, once a month, we will add a new wrinkle to the show. And it is with author Nancy Quinn, who I've interviewed a couple of times. She lives in Montana. And we are going to do a segment of the show called News from the Mountain. She will be running that show. I will be there as a as a co-host. But she is going to entertain us with News from the Mountain. That's author Nancy Quinn starting in January, the first Wednesday in January, News from the Mountain. It should be fabulous. Now, back to our guest, author Catherine McIntyre who, like me, is height-deprived, and but that doesn't stop us from being 10 feet tall and bulletproof. She's a tomboy, which I absolutely adore. She writes steampunk, but she, she marches to her own band. I mean, just not her own beat. This woman is like me. She just creates her own band and marches to it. How much of a detriment was that to you growing up? <laughs> kind of going my own way it was tough I mean that's actually one of the reasons I got so into writing because I was super shy as a kid and had massive social anxiety and so when I was little I didn't have a lot I had my cousin like I always had my cousins were my best friends and then I had a couple friends in school but I mean I books were my first and like nearest and dearest friends you know the characters and books I always reached out for that did you find that books gave you comfort when people couldn't? Absolutely. Yeah, I always loved um I feel like books just really teach people empathy from an early age. They teach people how to relate, you know? And there there were just so many amazing lessons and amazing things that stuck with me from everything I've read. Did um did you read with an open mind? Yeah, usually. Um, I read a lot of different stuff. I mean, when I was a kid, too, I used to, it was fiction, nonfiction. It was anything I could get my hands on. I had giant um, duffel bags I would bring to the library, load them up, and then every two weeks rotate it around. 
what books did you like to read the most? I used to read, it's what I now call fantasy blog monster books. I read those, like, really, really long, in-depth fantasy books that I feel like nowadays I just don't have the attention span for. <laughs> I look at it then, and I'm like, how did I read that? <laughs> but it would be, like, those thousand-page, like, fantasy tomes. But, I mean, really, it was, um, I remember, you know, just blowing through, you know, it would be anything young adult, I just got my hands on a red. The reason I ask is because somewhere in the recesses of your mind, those books had to come out in what you write yeah. now because you, yeah, you write steampunk, but it's it's a fantasy type steampunk. It's a world within a world. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, even, um, I mean, probably what I predominantly have been writing as of late, which is something I never read growing up, funny enough, is romance. But even the romance I write tends to be paranormal romance where there's fantasy elements in it. So, yeah, it all works its way. <laughs> See, ladies, we are the product of our environment, ladies and gentlemen. Trust me. We, I, I read things like In Cold Blood and Helter Skelter, so no, no wonder oh I write true crime. That makes I, I was sense. reading. The, yeah. yeah, I read in cold blood in seventh grade, and the teacher thought I was oh nuts. Oh my gosh, but. that's amazing! That's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> but and uh, I didn't read romance because it bored me. Because you always knew how it was going to end, and that was yeah. Harlequin was was really big. My grandmother read Harlequin. Yeah. My mother read there was Harlequin books all over the house, and I'm looking at them and go, okay, just give me something bloody. This doesn't even interest me. <laughs> <laughs> See, that's why I combine my romance with a lot of fighting. <laughs> There's uh, Because I do a lot of paranormal romance. So you get the action in there, too, because it's werewolves. It's, you know, big uh, battles against monsters and stuff like that. I think those elements are just so much fun. I wouldn't be able to just do uh, plain old either. <laughs> yeah, you would be so bored with just plain old romance. You've got to have a, a depth within your books. I can just about, with, without reading any of your books yet, I can just about guarantee you that the reader has no idea how it's going to turn out until they get towards the end. <laughs> <laughs> I like to keep people on their toes. It's fun that way. And and that brings me, ladies and gentlemen, to um, an anthology that Kat did that I downloaded today and started reading it, and it's called Corsets and Cops. Now, when I saw that and when I saw the title, I'm going, okay, corsets and cups. Cups, I understand. Corsets, not so much. But okay, <laughs> let's see. Let's see what is between the pages because the title, the the book cover is phenomenal, but the title oh, it's just stunning, Margaret. Yeah, yeah, just blew me out of the water. But the title, the woman itself, who organized it. Uh, oh yeah. I, I had to buy it, but the woman that organized it, Aww. go ahead. Yeah, the woman who organized it, uh, Margot Bond Collins, she um, set up the whole thing, and, like, the the cover she got was stunning, and um, like the anthology did so well that we're doing a Christmas one uh, called Bustles and Bells. <laughs> oh, my So it's going to be all Christmas steampunk stories, and I just saw the cover for that, and it's also gorgeous. I'm so excited to be a part of it. 
Now, now, ladies and gentlemen, this is the first anthology that Kat's done, but I got through the first story and halfway through the second story, and as I'm sitting here reading the story, I'm wondering where in the hell is this going to wind up? And <laughs> it was nothing like I thought it was going to be. It it was interesting because it, it, the writer of this first story took steampunk to a level it's never been before. <laughs> yeah, Which it's is, really neat because uh, steampunk is such a, again, it's such a variable thing that you could do steampunk fantasy. You could do steampunk thriller. You could, <laughs> you know, you can incorporate it in so many ways that it's just really unique that like that. It reminds me of the um the movie that Johnny Depp was in and the the book. There was a book called The Same Thing and it was the the Barbara of Seville. Oh yeah? I'm gonna have to look that up. I think that's the title of the book. Anyway, he's a barber, yes. but he's a serial killer, and it's said. Oh, in the I know it's Sweeney Todd, right? Sweeney Todd, yes, Sweeney Todd. Yes. That's what steampunk reminds me of. I could totally see that. <laughs> it, it, there are it, definitely it, some elements there. Yeah. Yes, there are. Now you also have written Gaslights and Graves. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about that because that that title intrigued me on more yeah. than one level. <laughs> I want to talk about Gaslights and Grace. Tell me about it. So that anthology, um, I remember seeing the call for it last year, and I really wanted to be a part of it because it was um, the whole concept was doing steampunk stories, but with a paranormal twist. So you had to incorporate, which is two things I do. I love writing paranormal, and I love writing steampunk. So um, I ended up doing a steampunk romance story in it. Um, And the paranormal twist is uh, I incorporated magic in a form of technomancers. So the story itself is called Of Tinkers and Technomancers. And uh, the woman who's the technomancer can control like all that cog-like machinery. So she's able to make it move on her own. Oh, yeah, I'll be getting that book. <laughs> I'll, I'll be getting that after we get off the show tonight. Now, I just, I just tried to bring up something, but it wouldn't let me. Your your poetry. Yeah. Let's talk about that. Sure. What made you write poetry? So poetry was actually one of the early forms that I loved expressing myself in. When I was, um, I actually went to college. Um, I have my BA in literature, um, and I loved taking the poetry classes. Uh, we did a lot of store, like studies into um, uh, British and uh, like just different British poetry, British Irish poetry, stuff like that. And um, it was really fascinating to break down everything. I love how concise it is. You know, you have to communicate so much in such a short space, and I think that's a really cool thing. I just brought one up. If you don't mind my reading it, I'm sitting here just drooling. It's so poish. It's so with a twist. Ladies and gentlemen, this is called Envy the Beast. 
by author Catherine McIntyre. All-consuming, overwhelming, its whimsical green tendrils carving bags under my eyes and furrowing my brow. Vines threatening to choke, they cast a spell upon my senses until drowning in a plethora of futility, sludge-like steps. I am entangled more than ever down this path of putrid entropy. I hope I said that right. Stumbling as I perceive hazy thoughts that bring much agony. My syrupy cough contaminated like bile in my throat. I choke to see what I imagined, vile tragedy, my mouth offended. The vines descend in endless spirals, carrying their circular disease. My fingers grasp, grasp upon some logic and small sentimentality. Within my grasp is truth and honesty as my clinging vines snap. A thought of loyalty between us. That is amazing. Oh, thank you. <laughs> Envy the Beast. It's, yeah, it was based on such a simple concept, too. I just wanted to, kind of, I wanted to communicate jealousy and that feeling. <laughs> well, I think you did, honey, in a very <laughs> succinct way. <laughs> oh, and then, oh, here we go. Now, this is her steampunk. Ladies and gentlemen, this woman just fascinates me. I have to buy her poetry book, Electric Dreams. Her limbs are well-oiled, slick with chrome plates, and a motor that hums like a diesel truck. Hunched over, the ticking noise is a heart like clockwork, beating 60 beats per minute. The legs splayed out like two monkey bars, Metal ball heels pressing against the concrete. She hears the tick. Small iron digits pressed against her knees, tapping 60 beats per minute. Her marbleized fog and her breasts are tiny vapors, puffed into the air like filtered cigarette smoke. The chrome heartbeat, a polished, the, the syncopation slows no longer, 60 beats per minute. And eyes, like polished agate, retreat into electronic dreams, the power button flashing, neon blue. Oh, my flippin' word. Child, that is amazing. (laughs) Well, thank you. I really appreciate that. Wow, I can see (laughs) that entire picture in my mind. Where did that one come from? That one uh, was really kind of stemmed from being so connected to technology (laughs) and, like, you know, being able to separate yourself from it. Uh, You think? I mean, that just, you see, you can, I can see the the form, whether male or female, robot, if you will, Um, (laughs) steampunk, if you will. And it's it's moving and it's it's it it feels like it's alive and then somebody flips a switch and it's just a chunk of metal. Just kind of putters off. Yeah, exactly. Like some of the people I know, like some people's <laughs> lives that I know. I, it, okay. It's it, true, it, yeah. Now you her books. Can you get your poetry books in on Amazon? Um. 
Actually, no. A lot of my poetry was just in uh, individual magazines over the years and stuff like that. I have a, some of it on my website, um, but that's a good idea. Maybe I should start pursuing that. <laughs> oh, you're so evil. I would have downloaded everything you had. Oh. I love poetry. Poetry is... <laughs> Me too. Is, it, well, because, you know why? Because poetry is, can be a song set to music. Absolutely, I really love. Mhm. You really love the flow of poetry. Yeah, I love the flow of poetry. It's so similar. There is a music to it. There's a rhythm. There's a pulse. Exactly, and you bring it to life. Reading it to yourself is one thing, but when it's read out loud, there's something about it that creates a vision that you might not see just reading it silently to yourself. Oh, yeah, I know. I love listening to poetry spoken out loud. It's so cool. Oh, my goodness. All right, now (laughs) in our few remaining minutes, tell me about your books, because people I know are going to want to go get them. So the Tribe (laughs) Spirit series, what is that about? So that is a shifter series set in central PA. Um, It is a lot of pack politics. Uh, so it's and the first book opens up with um, kind of like the cat versus dog thing because it's a wolf pack and a mountain lion pack. And the um, wolf pack is run by a female alpha, and she is super ferocious. And the guy who comes in is the head of the mountain lion pack, and he's a pain in the ass. And so that's a <laughs> recipe for a romance, right? <laughs> Or a civil war, depending on how you want to look at it. <laughs> Absolutely. It's a picture of both. And so um, that series is really fun. I'm actually working on the third. But that's with a new publisher now um, because my old publisher, Lucid, had closed this past May. But um, the first – so both Tribal Spirits books, books one and two, are going to be – book one will be republished, and then book two will be out brand new. Um, beginning of 2019. So I'm really excited for that. It's going to be out with Totally Bound Publishing. Well done. Then you've got the Philadelphia Coven Chronicles. Say that fast right down. Yes, I know, right? (laughs) I really like setting stuff kind of locally. But, um, yeah, the Philly Coven Chronicles, I love that series. It was a really fun one to write because I live in the suburbs of Philly. And so I got to go into Philly and kind of explore and find, you know, what areas might be cool for some monsters to pop out of. And it's got witches and fae, so like all sorts of mythical fairy creatures. Um, Really kind of gruesome. That one's, (laughs) it's all romances, but I combine gritty and gruesome with romance, so. (laughs) <laughs> and, and then with bad attitudes, right? Okay. Absolutely, yeah. <laughs> what's of Tinkers and Techromancers? So that's the book that's in uh, Gaslights and Graves currently. Um, that ah. one was just really, really fun. And there is so speaking of, um, you know, automaton type of things and like those robots. Um, that one features clockwork dolls, which is a very similar concept. They are, except they run off of, um, like, they're, you know, on that intricate cog machinery. They, uh, so the tinkers make them. 
ladies and gentlemen, this woman's amazing. Then she did the airship series, an airship named Desire, um, a tale of two airships. And I was reading a little bit, I can't remember if it was an airship named Desire, a tale of two airships, where your main character goes and steals back something that she's stolen and it got stolen from her. Mm-hmm. So the um, the first airship book is kind of like if you mixed Treasure Island with steampunk, um, and so it's a like there are adventure stories at the heart of it, you know, except set in the sky because airships. <laughs> and uh, so I'm I'm excited because I'm finally wrapping up that series. That was my first book ever published, and so. What, six years later, I'm wrapping up uh, with the third book is coming, the third and final book in the series coming out this August. So I'm very excited about that. You say that, and then you're going to say, well, and when I bring you back, you're going to say, you know, that series that I thought I wrapped up, well, I took and spun <laughs> off one of the characters because they were screaming in my ear. Oh, that happens all the time. It's a little <laughs> <laughs> Yes, I know. <laughs> all They're the time. They're so noisy. <laughs> And they fight for attention like little children. They really do. It's crazy. <laughs> Aggravating. I want, you just can't shut them. And then if you tell them to go away, they say, okay, watch this. And then they go away and it takes forever to get them back when you want them because mm-hmm. they want to come out and play when they want to come out and play. Oh, my God, absolutely. <laughs> so what? you're finishing up that book. So what is next on your agenda besides the third in the the other series. The Tribal Spirits. Yeah, so yeah. I'm I'm currently writing that one and then uh the other series that just started um this year with uh, Evernight publishing was the Discord's Desire series, which is a uh, paranormal romance. It's um they meet rock stars. So it's uh, got incubus and um satyrs and all sorts of you know, different, like a siren, and they're all, they form a rock band. <laughs> and it's okay. a lot of adventures in that, that universe. So you get seduced, you get yeah. murdered, and you get who knows what all in one night. <laughs> exactly. It's super fun. <laughs> oh, my word. Well, you're not going to believe this, my darling girl, but we are almost to the end of our hour. Oh my gosh, it did go fast. <laughs> See, it never fell. Didn't I tell you, ladies and gentlemen, she was going to say that? <laughs> so, in the time that we have left, tell the folks where you can be found and where your books can be found. Uh, sure. So, all my books can be found on Amazon um, and a fair amount of other retailers. Uh, and then, I mean, my website is www.katherine-mcintyre.com. And I'm also on Goodreads and Facebook, so feel free to hit me up. <laughs> now, don't hang up when the show goes dark because I have some instructions for you, but sure. will you come back? Absolutely. This was fun. <laughs> See? We make it fun around here because we didn't even get <laughs> one of the things I wanted to talk about, which was oh. another <laughs> We're not going to spill the beans, folks. You've got to listen in. It's a, it's another avenue that she writes in that just blows my mind. But we will discuss oh. that when I bring her back. So y'all going to have to tune in and pay attention. But I do want to <laughs> thank you 
for taking the time and spending an hour with me and having fun with me because that's what this show is all about. And thank you for agreeing to come back because you will become a regular on the show. You will get a following on this show. Well, thank you so much for having me. I had a total blast. It was really fun. I am so glad. See, ladies and gentlemen, this was her first time on any show, and she was a tad bit, wee bit, just a wee bit (laughs) on the nervous nervous side. (laughs) You know, we saw that in no time. Nothing but a thing on this show. as, As with all of the shows, I want to thank her because it takes a lot of courage to, to come on this show, even though I only eat small children on a weekly basis, not a daily basis. <laughs> I have yet to eat any of my guests, but we could. It depends on the time of day. But I want to thank each and every one of you for listening. And join us again tomorrow night when we will once again be here on Off the Chain at 8 o'clock Eastern Daylight Time. And as with all things that I say at the end of the show, people will forget who you are. They'll forget your name. They'll forget what you look like. They'll forget what you're wearing. But they will never, ever, ever forget the way you make them feel. And it is my wish, my prayer, my desire that each one of you, guest and listener alike, understand that you are the most important person in the room. When you turn into the live show and you listen, when you tune into the archives and listen, you are the most important person in the room. Without you, there would be no show. Sure, I could get on here and I could talk all day long and and just rattle on and on, but y'all are the ones that make the show. So y'all, I hope, feel and understand that you are the most important person in the room. Also, understand this. If you want to achieve greatness, whether it's, dog catcher, garbage man, astronaut, rocket scientist, whatever in between that you want to be, if you want to achieve greatness, don't ask permission. Because when you do, nobody's going to give it to you. In fact, they're probably going to look at you like you've got two heads and go, you want to do what? And as my guest the other night said, here, hold my beer and watch this. Just go out and do it. Be great. Be great within your mind. Be great within yourself. Because when you understand that you are great and you are enough the way you are, the rest of the world doesn't matter. What they think doesn't matter because you are enough. So go out and achieve great things. And I don't mean go out and write the next great novel. I mean go out and achieve great things within your life, things that... Enhance your happiness. Things that you prove to yourself that you are enough because you are enough. So with that being said, I want to thank each and every one of you for being here and listening, both the live show and the archives. I want to thank Kat for for agreeing to be on the show. I'm going to send her some dates so that she will come on again and gain a following. And know that tomorrow night we will be back as well as um, Friday night and Saturday night. We will be here all four nights, Lord willing, and the creek don't rise. And love yourself. Love each other like yourself. And know that here on Off the Chain, anything goes. It doesn't matter. Because we like to have fun. We like to be entertaining. And so we will see you all again tomorrow night here on Off the Chain. I am your host, Yvonne Mason. We will be here at 8 o'clock Eastern Daylight Time. And with that, my guest 
author Catherine McIntyre and I wish you a wonderful good evening. See, my tongue just gets twisted. I can't talk with a flip. But <laughs> what I wanted to tell you, Kat, is we're off the air now. Yeah. Is when okay. I hang up <laughs> here, the shop, the, the, the shop, the show will go into yeah. archives. Once yeah. it goes into archives, I'm going to post the link on my page, and I'm going to tag you in it. Okay, perfect. And and you take it and run with it. Post it everywhere on your perfect. social media. Perfect. I will be happy to, definitely. Oh, it gets better. Tomorrow, <laughs> it will go up on Spreaker, on SoundCloud, on MixCloud, on Podcast.com, on Podcast Garden, iTunes, YouTube, Stitcher, FM.com, TuneIn Radio, iHeartRadio, um, Spotify, and Reverb Nation. That's awesome. <laughs> that's, that's why I'll we're heard in over down. 200 countries around the world. That's so cool. So I will send you the links, and I'll put them up on yeah. my page, and I will also tag you in those. We are up to, on Reverb Nation, we're up to 3,000 fans on that site alone. That's amazing. We are How up long have to you been doing this for? Two years this month. Oh, my God. That's wonderful. But it's all it's all y'all's fault because y'all, <laughs> y'all are keeping the show going. And I was down for like two months because my husband, I almost lost my husband, so I didn't. Run oh a my show God, for two that's months. terrifying! Yeah, but the show kept growing. I couldn't Aww, believe it. Just the support is—it is. It's—it's it's a. I thank God every day. So, yeah, it's a beautiful thing. Um, join me on Reverb Nation. Definitely. Join, join me on YouTube, and mm-hmm. you can—you can also. Um, Let's see, where else is it? Um, iHeartRadio, you can also join that one. I'll just send you all the links and you just join us. That sounds perfect, definitely. And then (laughs) take all those podcasts and spread them around. And have your social network spread them around because this is how you get known. This is how Diane Moe became number one in Australia was this show. Oh, that's awesome. That's really cool. So with that, my darling, I'm going to let you go and enjoy the rest of your evening. I'll send you some dates for next year. You want to come on in January? That's perfect. Absolutely. Okay. You should have a couple. Of, and see, we didn't even get to talk about the fairy tale writings. <laughs> That's true. I know. I had so much fun. Thank you so much for making it like so easy to do. <laughs> you are quite welcome. See, there was no reason to be nervous at all. It was just two friends having a conversation. <laughs> It was a lot less stressful than I thought it was going to be. It was great. People <laughs> overthink this stuff. <laughs> I do. Tell, I really tell all do. Just overthink it. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> no reason to overthink it. It's just fun. <laughs> and, it really and because was. well, and because I'm so flawed, when I screw up, I just laugh at myself. <laughs> I what love are you gonna that, do? Though. That's such a nice. It's it's comforting though. I think that's a really. It makes it a lot easier to for people to go along with it. You know. Yeah, well, because none of us are perfect, and when I get tired, I can't Absolutely. help with the damn. Absolutely, <laughs> <laughs> and, and 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 it makes the listeners at ease too, because 
Absolutely. They, yeah, they understand none of us are perfect. Mm-hmm. So with that, I'm going to say good evening. I'm going to go check on my husband, and I will send you dates. Yeah. I will send you the link, and thank you that so much. That sounds perfect. Thank you for having me, and I hope you have a wonderful night. You too, baby. Talk to you later. Thank you. I'll talk to you. Bye. Bye-bye.